The Commonwealth of Massachusetts is not known for racial diversity. The state is undeniably very white, and most towns here are whiter still because much of the minority population in Massachusetts is pushed into a few towns and cities, one of them being Chelsea, Massachusetts. Dig these statistics. According to Wolfram Alpha, about 9.5% of Massachusetts residents are Hispanic or Latinx, but about 62% of Chelsea residents are Hispanic or Latinx. And the U.S. Census estimated in 2015 that 44% of Chelsea's residents were immigrants and that the median household income is around $48,000, which is just under the median household income of the country and about $20,000 under the median household income of Massachusetts. Basically, Chelsea is a working class slash middle class city with a huge immigrant population. It's also like one bridge away from Boston, which is in the middle of a horrific spike in rent. And from what I can gather from a quick internet search, young professionals who couldn't quite afford what they wanted in Cambridge and Somerville are moving to Chelsea, which kind of sounds like gentrification. I'm Ajay Pandey, and this is Perfectly Nice Neighbors, an exploration of gentrification in the Boston area. Chelsea is a phoenix city, in that it has a reputation of burning to the ground. The city has had not one but two great fires since the turn of the 20th century. It has been cleft in twain by a highway. We'll get to that highway. And there was a point in the 90s where the city and its schools were placed under the control of the state because things were that bad. But Chelsea's still here. And... At least during the day, it's not so dangerous that you can't walk around. Unless you're scared of a place where most of the folks on the street are brown and a plurality of the signs have Spanish on them, you have nothing to worry about. But you can't take the T to Chelsea. The orange line goes past Chelsea to Malden, and the blue line goes past Chelsea to Revere. Which means you need to either take the commuter rail in, which is super expensive and runs once an hour outside of rush hour, or take the bus in which I had never done in my life. The 111 bus is loud. Louder than the T. The diesel engine drowned out my attempts at making music my scraps of conversation with the person sitting next to me, even my own thoughts. The MBTA clearly cheaped out on the sound deadening for the bus I was on, because on the Silver Line, which is a bus that services places that rich people go to, the air conditioner is louder than the engine. And the 111 quickly showed me the strangest feature of Chelsea, Massachusetts. There is no town common. I was looking for a large public green area, because in New England, that's usually a landmark around which the rest of the town or city rotates. But Chelsea doesn't have that. The closest it gets is Bellingham Square, where the city hall is, and the only green there is a shrub in the middle of the square, which is really just a glorified intersection. In fact, the only reason I thought Bellingham Square was any sort of landmark was because the bus I was on completely emptied at that stop. This is disturbing on a Lovecraftian level, 
New England towns are based on the development plans of Puritan settlers, and the Puritans were adamant on town centers. A town common where you left cattle to graze and sinners to be shamed, and a church next to the common that doubled as a town hall. A Puritan settlement is built with a town common, but the Chelsea town common doesn't exist, and that's terrifying. The strangeness continues. A few minutes' walk from Bellingham Square is the Williams School, which has two middle schools squished into one building. Here are some things I found around the building. Three police cruisers, two on one side and an unmarked one on the other side. As I wrote that down in my notebook, two more cruisers drove by. A bus station with an ad for Cherry Garcia ice cream and a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles-themed ad for traveling to New York City. A playground that, despite servicing a four-story double school, is a quarter of the size of the playground behind the small elementary school I went to as a child. An old, abandoned-looking building. A paid parking lot with perhaps the nicest cars in all of Chelsea. The Chelsea Commuter Rail Station, which not only is not wheelchair accessible, but is also super loud and looks still under construction. And the Route 1 overpass, this loud, ugly mass of concrete and rusting steel. The paid parking lot sits directly underneath it. Children walking from Williams to the nearby playground must walk underneath this overpass, and there's an exit into this overpass literally right next to the school. Here's a little tidbit about Chelsea. Walnut Street, which is the street that Williams School is on, is split. If you are at one end of Walnut Street and you just look down, you can see the rest of the street, but you can't drive there because you're going underneath the overpass and the area underneath the overpass is a parking lot that's paid. So if you want to get from one side of Walnut to the other, you can't go on Walnut Street. You have to cut past the commuter rail station. You might have to cross the train tracks and then drive around. This highway snakes through the city like a festering wound, a structure for driving through Chelsea for the locals to just deal with. And the kicker is that it's a toll road. So if you're a Chelsea resident who can barely afford gas, much less easy pass, which doesn't sound too unlikely, then your city is cut in half by a road you can't even drive on. I cannot impress enough upon you how many cop cars there are in Chelsea. Like, basically every corner. You know, there's either a police department vehicle or a fire department vehicle. They're everywhere. And most notably, they're mostly new. Like, there are relatively few new cars that look like civilian-level vehicles. But most of the police cars, they're late-model police cars that look in, like, new car shape. But that's just my observation. Let's ask someone who actually knows the place. Amber, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing pretty well. This is Amber Nicole Rodriguez. She's another friend of mine. She also made a cameo in the first episode. Alright, uh, so I think to start, just tell me a bit about yourself and uh, your relationship to Telsey. Cool, so my name is Amber Nicole Rodriguez. I'm 
My name is Amber. I am 20 years old. I lived in Chelsea for the majority of my life. And then I lived in Revere for a little bit, which is not too far from here, given that Chelsea is the smallest uh, city in Massachusetts. I am a proud product of Chelsea public education. And yeah, it's my hometown. I miss it. I'm not here often. Um, so being here to give you a tour is kind of nostalgic. Cool. So, um, yeah, tell me about how you've seen Chelsea change over the years. When I think of change in Chelsea, um, I think a lot about the, the buildings that have come up. The first things that I think of are the hotels that came up right next to Chelsea High School, that they weren't always there. Um, and then there are two pretty big shopping plazas, which have always been there, but they've grown exponentially. We have Home Goods, we have Home Depot, Starbucks, all these different things that I never envisioned being there um, when I grew up because it just, it kind of seems out of place. Um, I was used to a lot of small businesses and, and family-owned businesses and things like that. Um, and now I'm seeing a lot of chains and corporations make their way and kind of creep into the crevices and just kind of take any space that they can. Um, we have like an FBI building that just came up too and a lot of apartment complexes which cost a lot of money. I myself couldn't afford to, to live there um, and I know a lot of my friends and family members can't either so it's forced a lot of us to kind of search for housing elsewhere uh, regardless of the connections and, and the networks that we've made here in Chelsea. One thing that I remember you mentioned earlier today was like the supercuts, it's like a supercut showing up and you're just like not a Spanish person would go to Supercuts. Right. I mean, I don't have any friends or family members that would take advantage of a Supercuts. <laughs> so I'm not sure why there was one put in Chelsea. I'm not sure who goes there. But I think that it's interesting that, that it kind of just made its way here. And it's still in business and it's been there for a few years. So I'm guessing some people are going, but I don't know. I'm used to my, my local barbers and my local people <laughs> uh, and do you think uh, Chelsea's gentrifying definitely I think a lot of money and time and energy has been put into making Chelsea you know look nice and appear nice if it were on a brochure and you know it's so close to Boston and this is where you want to be and all this stuff which is great you know um, but in reality, it's not as cost-effective anymore. Um, and a lot of people are struggling even more to, to live here. Um, so I'm not sure if the development that's being done is actually benefiting the people who are already here, which seems kind of unfair. Where is a lot of the um, redevelopment happening? Like, is it, are they on like specific spots or like... Now that I think of it, it's mostly on the outskirts of the town, and that's probably because there are a lot of um, exits to highways, uh, to and from Boston, to and from surrounding towns. So if you're driving, you know, and you're on your way, and you see like a, a huge, brand new building, um, housing complex, or a brand new hotel, you're like, oh, that that looks nice, you know. Let me take this exit. Let me let me see what Chelsea's about, you know. So it's on a lot of the outskirts where. Um, 
most of the exits are. That's where I've noticed all the beautification and the, the plazas and the shiny, sparkly things. <laughs> but towards the, the inner city, where there are a lot of older folks and a lot of students and working people, uh, not much is being done. From there, Amber gave me a little tour of Chelsea, Massachusetts. So we're technically driving through East Boston, uh, but then you're in Chelsea. <laughs> uh, if we keep driving, you can end up in Everett, you can end up in Revere. Um, it's really easy to get to a lot of different surrounding areas from Chelsea. Like Chelsea itself seems to have like a really, really small footprint. Yes. As far as towns go. It's tiny. <laughs> that small size also means the city is very interconnected. Just in this little tour, we ended up repeatedly looping back to the same few places, just from different directions each time. So where are we exactly? We're close to like the downtown area of, of Chelsea. Um, I'm seeing this... Second Park Street, right? Yes. Um, and it looks like this is kind of the only common area that we have. There's no grass, but there's a little fountain and there's benches, but as you can see, there's not a lot of people there. I don't think a lot of people use this space, <laughs> unfortunately. So a lot of community events that happen take place in parking lots or big pavement areas like this. So this is the, I guess, the recess area and the basketball court for the Williams School. Um, and the Williams School houses two middle schools, the Wright and the Brown. And every year we have a back to school celebration with, you know, bouncy houses and free food and, and all that stuff and music. Um, but it takes place here. It's not a grassy area, there's no benches, it's nothing, you know, extravagant, but it always takes place here. This is the Clark Avenue Middle School that I went to. The building used to be the high school. Uh, so when my mother was in high school, she went to school in this building. Then it became a middle school when I was in school, and they recently built um, a new high school, maybe 10 years ago. It turns out that the high school building is older than we thought. It was built in 1996. And they seem to be renovating the middle school, or? Yeah, that's a complete new, I think they got rid of the whole thing, to be honest, because it did not look like that <laughs> when I was in middle school, I can tell you that much. I mean, now it looks genuinely beautiful. Yeah, so it's exciting, but it's not the school that I'm used to. <laughs> there were some weirder developments in Chelsea, too. So this is yet another um, housing complex that went up a few years ago. Uh, very nice, but also very expensive, and it's right across the elementary school, and I actually came here. There's four elementary schools in this entire building. Wow. Yeah. I also noticed there was like a pre-K building, like inside the development. Yes. Which is, I guess, interesting. <laughs> so yeah, this is Mystic Plaza. Um, it used to be Mystic Mall. We had like little furniture stores and little stores all around. I think the first big change was like a Rite Aid that they put in. Um, and then Market Basket and Starbucks made its way over here. TJ Maxx that was never there. Home Goods was never here. Um, so this is very different from what it was when I was a little girl. So even the malls have gotten more yeah. and more corporate-y. Yes, everything got a facelift and everything is more expensive now. <laughs> like that is a genuinely nice looking Market Basket. Yeah, it's huge. Got the whole glass facade thing. Mm -hmm. like even the market basket near my house doesn't have that. <laughs> so. And of course, Starbucks. Of course. 
Uh, so this is the brand new FBI building, the Boston Division, um, right next to the high school, right next to the three other hotels <laughs> that just went up. And right yeah. next to Mystic Plaza. Yes. And uh, the office park that's next to Mystic Plaza. Mm -hmm. I think it was a parking lot before. There wasn't anything there. But it's right next to the high school if anyone needs it. <laughs> oh, and this is the high school. This is the high school, yes. As Amber drove me around Chelsea, she pointed out the new developments that apparently were simply built wherever there was space. New houses built next to low-income housing projects. A fancy cafe on Chelsea's Broadway, which is otherwise dominated by not fancy local businesses. A hotel construction site a mere stone's throw away from a highway off-ramp. But... I saw the most interesting new development in Chelsea from the Route 1 overpass, one north of Boston. Yes, it's called one north of Boston. This is from the building's website. Located one block from the commuter rail, one north of Boston in Chelsea is one stop from Boston and a quick ride to the North Shore beaches. Hop on the train to check out our modern apartments, club rooms, indoor basketball court, gaming areas, on-site dog daycare, fitness centers, spin studio, outdoor pools, and grilling courtyards. Ask about our rent specials. The photo gallery shows modern furniture, bright colors and eye-catching patterns next to clean off-white walls, hanging light fixtures, and a modern-looking gym. The website is also rather upfront about the rent. Studio apartments start around $1,800 a month, and two-bed, two-bath units start between $2,300 a month to over $3,000 a month. The website touts the development's, quote, unmatched location, noting that it's one block from the commuter rail, one stop from North Station, one mile to Boston, I guess explaining the name, a five-minute walk from Market Basket and Starbucks, and, quote, quick access to North Shore beaches. This apartment complex might explain why the paid parking lot next to Williams School has so many disproportionately nice cars. Williams is also a block from the commuter rail station. But the one north of Boston website does not mention Williams School, or any of the Chelsea schools. In fact, one north of Boston barely mentions the city of Chelsea at all. After all, it's just Chelsea, right? What matters is that you're one mile north of Boston. We'll get back to analyzing buildings like this in a later episode. I tried to contact the planner and land use administrator for the city of Chelsea. I ended up scheduling an appointment with him, running into his answering machine at the time of the appointment, scheduling another appointment with him, and again, running into his answering machine at the time of the appointment. I ended up hearing the following message. Sorry. Oh, is not available. Record your message at the tone. When you are finished, hang up or press pound for more options. Six times. You gotta be f***ing kidding me. It was... Frustrating. Going forward, I'm going to schedule backups for my interviews. At any rate, we should compile our notes on Chelsea. Chelsea is an urban area that's largely middle to lower class and largely populated by people of color. Again, the average person on the street is brown. Chelsea is pretty run down in places. It's been developed without real concern for the residents, see Route 1, 
and it has a reputation of being a rough place, perhaps more than is actually the case. The city is seriously growing. According to the U.S. Census, Chelsea's growth between 2010 and 2016 is almost three times the national average, and according to a 2016 report by the UMass Donahue Institute, Chelsea is one of the fastest growing municipalities in the state. But I couldn't say for sure whether property values are going up or whether Chelsea's getting whiter, in part because I couldn't ask the planner and land use administrator. All I have is circumstantial evidence from Amber that Chelsea is becoming less affordable and that folks close to her are starting to look elsewhere. There is definitely development and revitalization. You can see it in the new middle school, the new FBI building, the new hotels, and the one north of Boston complex. There's even a Silver Line extension coming into Chelsea. Some of the developments are directly for the residents, like the school. But I'm not sure Marriott branches and $2,000 a month apartments were built for longtime residents of a lower middle class to working class city. These new buildings are rather pretty though. I'm not sure if there's a new culture coming into Chelsea, but there are new lifestyle brands that apparently are catering to new residents. Not olive oil shops coming into the downtown, but home goods and supercuts replacing small businesses in a shopping plaza. So is Chelsea gentrifying? I'm just going off what Amber told me and what I saw, but I think so. It's not late stage gentrification, like what apparently has happened in the South End, but the weird new developments in Chelsea, and Amber's very quick yes, tell me that gentrification is probably afoot, although we're still trying to figure out what that means. I think we're getting somewhere. An idea I'm pulling out of these case studies is that gentrification is a kind of development that uses construction to separate out economic classes. Of course, affordable housing projects do just that, so we're clearly missing something. But next week, we'll dig into a book that might have something to say about this conundrum. The Death and Life of Great American Cities by Jane Jacobs. Thank you to Amber Nicole Rodriguez for dedicating an afternoon to share your thoughts and show me around your wonderful hometown. Writing, music, narration, and production by Ajay Pandey. This is an independent study for UMass Amherst under the guidance of Professor Jenny Adams and Professor Sanjay Arwade. For questions, comments, critiques, and concerns, you can contact me at afande at umass.edu. Thank you for listening.